These days, majority of the e-commerce stores are facing a lot of competitions due to the easier market entry barriers. But fierce competitions shouldn't stop hustlers. And that's exactly what we have seen with Wen from Kalen Wen. Kalen Wen is an e-commerce store selling premium wallets, cardholder, and accessories. This is a very competitive market with competitions from cheap Chinese products through marketplaces and expensive top brands as well. Today, we'll learn how Wen has designed Kalen Wen brand to target the in-between space of cheap and expensive market to grow fast. Hey Wen, thanks for joining the e-commerce growth podcast. Have been hearing about Kalen Wen for some time and happy to have you in our podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Jubal. I'm excited to uh, have a chat about all things e-commerce for sure. So tell us a little bit about Kalen Wen, how you started this company in Philippines. For sure, yeah. So Kalen Wen essentially launched as a kind of a, a side um, passion project uh, in late 2019. So I just kind of delved into the e-commerce space and I had other businesses at the time, but then when COVID happened in early 2020, my other businesses kind of ceased operations. So I had this kind of side project that I was working on for a couple of months and decided, let's go, let's go all in on that for a couple of months while I guess the world figures itself out with, with COVID. And so what I had done, I had done some research on similar brands and similar products and challenges, I guess, I face here personally with terms of uh, how I carry my my um, my cash around every day with me. You know, carrying a big wallet. I like to have a minimalist lifestyle. Um, you know, I do, I tend not to carry cash very much. So I identified um, uh, an opportunity here in the Philippines where it's it's still very much a cash um, society. But I felt that with the growing um, middle class and people moving towards apps like Gcash we have here using their credit cards, I felt there was an opportunity to move away kind of from the traditional style and um, use inspiration from some brands that I had seen in like the likes of uh, America and Europe and kind of bring that, uh, bring those products here to the Philippines. Makes sense. I, I do carry, I think, 10 cards in my pocket as well. I can relate to the pain. So yeah, uh, yeah. back in 2019, uh, just before mm -hmm. the start of COVID, right? Correct, yes. So when you started the business back in 2019 and when the COVID hit, uh, whatever changes you faced? Uh, so, well, essentially, so when I ran, I ran that kind of a pilot uh, in 2019, so leading into the Christmas period, uh, I knew nothing about Facebook ads. I, I self-taught myself Facebook and made some okay number of sales for a first time project. And I guess when the shift happened in early 2020, it was really just about figuring out how Facebook works, uh, you know, what customers need in, t in terms of uh, how we educate them about the product because it, it was different to your traditional um, bifold wallet that, that people were used to here. So the challenge we had was um, showcasing what the product can do, how it can be beneficial to uh, our target market. Uh, so we tried to, I guess, market in terms of minimalist, but also stylish. So we use it for kind of the young, young professional people in their, you know, early to early twenties to mid thirties, 
maybe like to dress well, they live in the city. Um, so we tried to start building our brand around that type of that type of customer avatar. And that's kind of where then we kind of found our space here uh, in, in terms of our niche or who we're looking after. In terms of building your customer base and ideal customer profile and also reaching out to them the first time, uh, what are the things that you do at the very beginning to reach out these people, like your ideal customer profile? Did you only focus on Facebook or any other tactics as well? Yeah, it was purely Facebook. So just like I said, learning Facebook ads, figuring out what works, um, doing a lot of testing. But we, we did have an idea of who our market was. So like I said, it was young males, but we do have a lot of females who like our products as well because they come in different colors. Um, so we've kind of seen that we can now target to some part of the female population as well. But initially it was purely Facebook marketing. And as time went on, then we started to work with maybe influencers on a, on a very small scale. Um, it's difficult to, I guess, um, understand the ROI with working with influencers. So we've only really tested that on a very small scale, but now we're starting to use that as a core part of our, our marketing strategy at the moment because Facebook advertising is becoming a lot more expensive. So we're really trying to diversify and, and get you know, content on TikTok, uh, on Reels, okay. those type of content seems to work well. So in terms of content in TikToks or let's say Reels, how are you uh, actually analyzing the performances and where are you getting the ROIs as well? Yeah, so when I say we work with TikTok, so we, at the moment, it's it's kind of a one-man show. I'm, I'm, I'm working on the business. I do have uh, help with Facebook ads now and I have a, uh, a virtual assistant on the admin side. So I tend to create some content for our own TikTok. Um, I do need to, uh, I do need to create more, I must admit, but what we're, what we do is we, we work with creators. So, uh, you know, we reach out to a bunch of creators. Some will say they're happy to, to work with us and collaborate. And then we will use their audience to drive traffic to our website. And from there, then we'll get them onto our email or we'll retarget them with Facebook and Google ads. And what we can then use from, from those good performing TikToks is we can then use, use those creatives within our own Facebook ads as well. So if a TikTok is performing well, we feel, oh, let's, let's put some Facebook uh, budget behind it and try and reach more people. And I guess in terms of understanding the ROI, again, it, it can be difficult to really pinpoint where it is, but depending on how things are performing, we will um, come up with a partnership with influencers. For example, they will get a, a kind of affiliate commission and we'll give them a certain discount code so we can track then how each affiliate is performing within our, our dashboard. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, in terms of your whole operation, so you are, you are making your product, building your brand. So what are the challenges you're facing right now in terms of your operation part? Um, I guess a kind of a, there's kind of a couple of things really. So it, we're really trying to take from, you know, zero to one is one thing, right? So kind of validating the, the product and the brand, that's what we've done. Um, and we've grown steadily over the last basically two years, but it's really trying to take it to the next level. So for example, having a steady stream of content for testing on Facebook, we're only starting to work with, like I said, influencers to give us lots of content 
because for example, I'll pack the orders, I'll deal with customer queries to an extent, uh, which leaves me less time then to create content. So bringing in uh, influencers to work on content creation for us. Uh, and then the next phase then is obviously outsourcing fulfillment. Uh, so right now we've fulfilled all our orders for the last couple of years, but we're, we just had conversations actually today uh, with a local 3PL. So hopefully we, uh, we'll be signing on with them in September uh, and they will handle all our fulfillment, which again will free up time then for me then to create more, our work more on the strategy, building the brand, uh, maybe working with more creators. So it's kind of, I guess it's, it's the chicken and the egg, right? We'd love to be, a, be able to drive more revenue so we can afford to hire more people, but then we kind of have to hire those people to get us to where we want to be as well. So it's, it's figuring out what needs to come first, um, but we're getting, there, we're getting there slowly. So we know that you have a Shopify store as well. So what are the other sales uh, mechanisms or sales stores you have? Are you, are you also selling in marketplaces? Do you also have any offline store as well? No, so at the moment we're purely uh, Shopify, our, web, our Shopify website. Uh, again, we, we do hope to be on the likes of Lazada, uh, Shopee within, within this year. So with Q4 coming up, we, we have lots of data from last year and we re really want to capitalize that and, and get onto these other platforms ahead of, of these big sales periods that we, we can forecast seeing like from end of October right through to to the end of December. In terms of using marketplaces, we have seen people that are not now selling in marketplaces and they want to build their own brand and they feel like selling in marketplaces sometimes hurt their chance of building their own brand. So what's your opinion from that perspective? That's that's something that I I have I have thought about a lot because Sometimes when you go onto these marketplaces, you're you're really you're just you're competing against all these other products as opposed to brands. So you, your products essentially become a commodity as opposed to, you know, what are the value propositions of your products and of your brand? And that is certainly a hesitation that I do have, um, but it's something that I do want to test because we do see a percentage of customers who will come in and they will ask. Are you on Shopee? Do you have a link for Shopee? Um, people, what I find in the local market, there's still maybe a trust issue with independent websites. Mm -hmm. And they mm -hmm. like to, a lot of people will still hold a lot more trust and value with the fact that, oh, we can buy it on Shopee. It can be shipped and delivered within a, a lot faster time. So again, trying to figure out if it's the right place for us, but it's something that we will test uh, hopefully by Q4. Got it. And in terms of your growth, what are the areas that you are sort of betting on? Like, let's say, if you think about future down the road, maybe two or three years down the road, what are the areas you will be investing more in terms of maybe marketing or strategical positioning as well? Yeah. So, if we if 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 you're to look at my store, you can see we we sell wallets essentially, and we do have a couple of complementary products, but the challenge is generating lifetime value and repeat purchases, which is a, a big challenge. And obviously with the increasing costs of acquiring customers, it just it's going to make our life more difficult the longer we go into the journey with this brand. So it's really about um, moving into other products. So again, everyday carry products like backpacks, you've got 
sling bags that a lot of young men will wear nowadays. Um, so we'd like to go into that sort of uh, those type of lines of products so that they can complement what people are carrying every day. Um, operationally, I would say, again, hopefully once we bring in this, uh, this partner to, to fulfill our products first, it will, it will take a lot of um, weight off, off my shoulders for sure. So then the focus would be on how do we, how do we build, you know, how do we, we become, I guess, the, the, the number one local brand is where I want to see us become in terms of selling the type of products we do. So we're selling uh, mid-premium, everyday carry products. So it's, it's wallets and then, it, like I said, it can be backpacks, sling bags, um, travel bags, those type of things is where I want to see us going. Um, but then again, moving into those types of products, they're, they're larger products, so different types of investment will be needed. Um, a part of the strategy I used, I guess, when I started out was how can I, how can I create a brand that I can keep costs as low as possible? So obviously selling wallets, they have a very small footprint. You can import them very cheap. You can store them cheap. So that, that is certainly being an advantage in terms of being able to run the brand profitably over the last couple of years. But if we were to go into, you know, bigger products, you need, like I said, there's more weight in the shipping, there's more storage space. So that again, it's an area that I, I'm not sure how it will look for us, but that's where I would hope to see us going over the next maybe 12, 18 months. Okay. Makes sense. But, uh, you know, uh, products like wallet or similar sort of products, these are pretty much available products in the market. Like even if you think about the local market, there are lots of people who are selling these sort of things. And then there is uh, China as well, who are almost selling all these kind of things to any country. And then there is the big brands as well, bigger brands who have very good brand value and selling the same thing. So in terms of all these cheap products, local products, and also in between the big brands who are selling the things, how you are actually finalizing your narrative or the USPs for your product? Yeah, so that's, that's, that's a really big, a really big challenge because like I said, people like to purchase on Shopee where there's unbranded products everywhere and you can buy them cheaper than our product. Whereas you can buy our product cheaper than the bigger brands. Now, what the bigger brands is, they have trust, they have the brand loyalty, the brand name. So we are in that funny space in between. So what we want to do is we want, we see ourselves, we're, yes, we're not the, we're not the premium product that are selling for, you know, maybe a hundred dollars. We're not the cheap yeah. product that's selling for 15, 20. And how we win out then is in our branding kind of who we're for, so we're for young professional who's stylish, but then we, we, okay. we try to win out then on, on customer service. So okay. uh, again, the, the competition, we will, we have to sit, we will have similar um, customer care and warranty periods as the premium brands, as opposed to the, the cheaper brands who will, will ship you the product. And if you have an issue with it, they won't, they won't give you a warranty. Whereas we will, we will give you that warranty, even though we're not as costly as the big brands. Okay, I think so that's a that's a great that, strategy. Yeah, I think that helps with building trust with with customers. Um, we have very few instances of uh, customers who have problems with their products, but when they do, you know, no questions asked, we will ship them out a, another product, and we found and we've seen that 
when that happens, some customers have actually come back again because we've kind of built that trust with them already. Yeah, makes sense. But uh, from your perspective, like the products you are selling, people don't need to buy, let's say, a wallet each day. They might need, after maybe, even for my case, I don't buy wallets each year as well. I think I am using the same wallet for the last two to three years. So this is a product when even if I'm satisfied with you, I'm not going to buy it regularly. So you have low repeat customers. And as you also said, the, the customer acquisition cost is higher. So how you were thinking or how we were actually doing the balance between those things, increasing and repeating customers and also lowering the customer acquisition cost. Yeah. So the, the I guess the first step is lowering acquisition costs is the, is the first thing that we try to do. So that's why we're, now we're trying to do a lot more organic, working with a lot of these creators and influencers so that we're, I guess, diversifying our marketing. Uh, we've gone into mm-hmm. Google Ads yep. this year as well, and, and the return on Google Ads have actually well outperformed Facebook. So okay. we, we do understand Facebook contributes to who, who sees the Google Ads, but it's definitely helped yep. in improving our margins. Uh, as, we, as we've grown as well, we're able to reduce our costs, so our margins are stronger. So again, acquiring that first customer, we, we can be very profitable on, on those first customers. But we also do realize that we we have a we have a a ceiling on the amount of customers we can reach, uh, reach one time. So that's why then, like I said, we need to look at complementary products. Or yep. what we do is we try to encourage gifting, or referring friends, and giving giving discounts. Yeah. So that that also helps with um, acquiring new customers cheaper, and trying to get a repeat purchase rate. Uh, ideally, we want to have a higher repeat purchase rate than we than we have right now. So it's it's trying to really look at uh, reducing our cost per acquisition, increasing our repeat purchase rate, and hopefully then bringing in new types of of complementary products as well. Yeah, that completely makes sense. When uh, I think that would be all. I guess we have very good insights about your business as well and the strategies as well. I'm sure it will help companies and entrepreneurs like you who are trying to do everything by almost himself. You have you have a very lean team that I can understand. And yeah, I also I also think that at every stage uh, having partners like maybe 3PL partners and other partners make a lot of sense so that you can focus on the real part, the increasing of the sales part as well. So I think you, you, you guys are in a very good track. So best of luck for you guys. Thank you very much, Shuvo. Appreciate it. Appreciate the time to uh, chat with you as well. Thank you, Wayne. Have a good day. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.